I said, God is good. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I just want to take just a moment here before we get into the word and just some things that as we were singing that new song, how many um, like that new song called Hunger? You know, as I was, you know, we're, we're singing that song and, you know, there's a time in our lives whenever, you know, our kids are young that and when we were young that our, our parents or parent, you know, took care of that for us. If we were hungry, they did it for us, right? But as they get older, we get to a place where, you know, even, uh, well, I don't think Micaiah is here today. He's, he's at, with his girlfriend at her church. But, um, you know, he's at that age now where he'll ask us to get him something to eat and be like, buddy, you're 18 years old. You can get yourself. Now, if we're making dinner, that's, you know, that's one thing. But it's like, if you're hungry, go ahead to the pantry and, and make yourself something. And even Silas, Silas will be eight years old next, next week and, or this coming week, really. And there are certain things, and he'll just be like, I'm thirsty. And I'll be like, can you get me a glass of water? It's like, well, buddy, you're old enough that you can get your own glass of water. I say that to say this because sometimes we're crying out, you know, and, and we really have to stir ourselves up to be hungry. If we're really hungry, instead of just being there and saying, God, do something, we get to that place where we're saying, I'm hungry, and then we do what Jesus said to do. We ask, and then we go from asking to seeking, and then we go from seeking to knocking. We're going after him. We're not just waiting for him to come to us. And God wants to take us to another level in his, in his presence. You know, I just in, even in my own life just recently, uh, just realizing this, that God wants me to go higher, but to go higher, you'll also have to go deeper because, you know, it's just in the natural, they have skyscrapers. Well, the, the, the foundation of a skyscraper has to be so deep to be able to handle the height of that skyscraper. And when God wants us to go to that next level, yeah, we all look at this going up higher, but there's also a depth that needs to be reached. And sometimes in that depth that God is needing us to go to so that we can go higher, he begins to dig up roots that have been there for a long time. That we're so deep in the ground, we don't see the flower of it anymore, or we don't see the leaf of it or the stem of it, but the root is still there. And the root needs to be taken out so that we can go higher. So I say this, I, I, I'm here just to point you to Jesus. And I want you to be so hungry for God that you're going you're gonna to chase him down to hear it, whatever it is he wants to speak to you and, and to help you. You know, and, and as I'm sitting there uh, this morning and just worshiping, there's times, you know, you can, get, you can get anxious. Anybody ever been anxious? Come on now. Anybody else is just lying. <laughs> if you've ever been anxious and just wondering, you know, what's going on here and there. But you know what? God is so faithful. And I know that sometimes we can say when we hear things like, God, you've never left us down. There's, I'm not saying that you haven't been disappointed, but I can guarantee you this. God is the one that's never disappointed you. He's never, I'm not, we've been disappointed in life. I've been disappointed in situations. I've been disappointed in, in things where I was even believing God for. And then when it went a different way, I would be disappointed. But he was still faithful in all that he did. And it's okay to take that back to God and say, you know what, God, I'm disappointed right now because I really thought that you were going to go this way. I really thought you were going to do it this way. Out of all the things that you showed me, I thought it would happen this way. 
And even out of all the things that God shows us, he is still the one that's able to bring it about the way that he wants to bring it about. And when he does, even in the midst of times whenever you have been disappointed, and I've been disappointed, you've been disappointed in life and different things that have happened. But even in times when I've been disappointed, whenever God finally spoke and came on the scene, it was exactly at the right time. He knows exactly what he is doing. Everything he does is perfect. It's perfect. It don't look perfect at some times and we're walking through things. Well, how can, how can this be a perfect way whenever you're causing me to have to go through this valley of the shadow of death? I don't want to be in the shadow. I don't want to be in the death. But God is leading all the way. And what's he doing? He's letting us know that he's close through it all. Amen. So I want to encourage you this morning as we are in that place, not only are we just singing a new song this morning, but in that place as the body of Christ, not only our church, but the body that's in the earth, that God is calling us higher and we'll never be able to go higher with him if we just sit there and say, God, do something in my life and we're not chasing after him. Life is in his presence. We're pursuing him. Can you say amen? Now say it like you're hungry. Amen. Come on. In Jesus' name. So, Father, we just thank you once again for your presence in this place. You are here. I acknowledge you. You can acknowledge him if you sense his presence. Lord, we acknowledge you that you're here. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, you know everything that every single person is walking through here right now, even up to this point, the journey of their life up to where they are right now, seating, sitting in the seat that they're in, whether here or at home or wherever they are, you know it all, Lord God. Father, and we just trust you with our lives. Father, we come to you and we ask you, you're the giver of good things, so we ask you today, Lord God, give us out of your good treasures, speak to our hearts, speak to our lives, show us more of who you are. Holy Spirit, help us to see as God sees and reveal Jesus to us like never before in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Well, last week was Easter Sunday. Miss Judy Anderson, it is good to see you in the house. Miss you. I've been thinking about you this week. Little side note there. <laughs> good to see you. What a delight. So last week, we, we started a new series called Imagine. And we really kind of, you know, went down using the, the story, uh, the resurrection story and, and, the, and the two disciples that were on their way to Emmaus. And uh, they were just really on a road that, you know, heading from Jerusalem with seven miles to Emmaus and just really sad, really brokenhearted, really just in a hopeless situation. The, the Messiah that they thought, who they thought he was the Messiah, obviously he was, he had just been crucified. And they were confused and they were walking along the way. And all of a sudden, as they're walking along the way, Jesus shows up. Remember, he shows up and he begins to talk to them. But the Bible says God, he caused them, that kept them from recognizing who he was. And they went through this time where Jesus began to really teach about who the Messiah is and how he was to come and how he was to suffer and die and how it was to go away that they didn't understand that way, but it was the way that was necessary to not only bring, you know, uh, 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 revelation, you know, through to the Jews, but also to anyone who will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen. And the Bible says that he went in with them and 
um, uh, they began to have supper and he began to break the bread. And whenever they broke the bread, after hearing all, Jesus telling about himself through the scriptures, they recognized him and then Jesus disappeared. And they ran the whole way back to Jerusalem. Same road that they just traveled, they were sat on. They ran the whole way back to tell everybody else, hey, Jesus is alive. See, on that road, they couldn't imagine they couldn't imagine. They put all their hopes and all their, all their dreams and everything that this was the Messiah. And then it didn't go the way that they wanted it to. It didn't go that way. It went a different way. It went exactly the way God intended it to go. Amen? Can you say amen? But God turned things around and joy entered their hearts again. And, you know, I want to kind of, as we're in this series, we're, we're talking about imagine, but we're really, the root word of imagine really comes, comes from, the, from the root word Ima or image and we want to talk about the image of God because we need to get back to who we were created to be who God created us to be this is how God is going to use us to be able to advance his kingdom in our lives and in our generation can you say amen hallelujah you're at the right place at the right time for God to use you to do the right things that he wants to do in this generation so that word imagine comes from the root word image, which means this, to form a mental image. You know, you ever hear like, you know, a mental tattoo, kind of get that tattoo in your mind, that mental image? It means to think. It also means to believe. And this is what we need to get back to. And over this series, this is what we're going to be talking about because I believe God just wants to kind of clean some things off that have been cluttering up really the tapestry of your life and just to be able to bring the colors and help to see vividly how God sees you and how he created you to be. Amen. And uh, when I think about this, you know, um, when I was younger, I think maybe uh, most, most, most teenagers or whatever think about getting tattoos whenever they're younger. And, and uh, I was uh, late teens. Uh, actually, I think I was 21, actually. And uh, I went into a tattoo parlor to get a tattoo. That's right. I went into a tattoo parlor with my friend, and I began to look at on the walls and everything that they had, and I began to look through all the magazines that they had, looking through things, and something was like, whoa, okay, no, no, and just kind of looking through. And, but you know what? I could not find an image that I wanted to look at for the rest of my life, so I didn't get a tattoo. I got my nipple pierced instead. <laughs> Go figure, right? I don't have that anymore. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But I, I, I felt safe to do that because it's like, you know what? If I don't like it, I can take it off, right? But I've always had this kind of a sense of, of like, you know, look, not looking just at the now because I, I considered it to be a decision that wasn't just for the now, but something that I'm going to look at for the rest of my life. And there is an image that God wants you to look at your entire life. Through all seasons of your life, from young to old, from passing on to the next generation, whatever it is, there's an image that he wants you to see of him, and there's an image that he wants you to see of yourself. Amen? So I want to talk about that today. If you're taking notes, the title of the message is Beholding His Image. And... Really, if we're going to look back and really see, you know, who we were created to be, we really have to go back to the beginning. We've got to go back to Genesis. That's the book of the beginnings. 
the original picture that God painted. And this is the first thing I want you to get, and we're going to read through this, but the first thing you need to know is, is that you were created in God's image. You were created in God's image. Now, I'm not going to give you some deep revelation today. It's going to be so simple that don't let the simplicity of it throw away the power of what's going to be taught today. Amen? You were created in God's image. Listen to what God said. Then God said in Genesis 1:26, let us make man in our image. Talking about the Godhead. When God said, let us make man in our image, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because they do everything in unison. The Father doesn't do something that the Son and, and the Holy Spirit don't know about. They are in complete agreement with everything that goes on. That's the unity that God wants us to get to. Amen. And he says, let us make man in our image according or agreeing to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth. And subdue or govern it. So, the first thing we have to look at here, this is the very beginning, chapter one. This is day six of creation, okay? Day six. Day five, everything else was created. Really, in you know, day one through five, God is really re revealing himself. Now in day six, God is beginning to multiply himself. <laughs> Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. That word image means this, a representative figure. It means a resemblance. Doesn't mean that, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's an exact, you know, a, a copy of God, but it's not, it's not like, you know, we are God. He is God. The word likeness actually means to be like or patterned after. You know, growing up, um, I don't know how many, maybe you can raise your hand if you say this, but, you know, my grandmother and pass it down to her kids, my mom, um, they would make their own clothes. I mean, you, they just would go out and buy the pattern. They would go to Joanne's, like Joanne's Fabric or whatever it was, a little place. Some people don't even know what Joanne's Fabric is, but they would go in and they would just see this dress that they like and it had the pattern. Everything was in this little envelope and they would pay that couple dollars to get this pattern and then they could make as many as they wanted with because the, they got the pattern. And they would come home and pull the pattern out and they would, they would choose the, the material that they wanted, right? And they would put that pattern over the material and they would use pins to pin the, pin the pattern to the material. Then they would cut it out and then they began the process of putting it together, sewing it all together. Amen? Well, to be created in God's own image and after his likeness is we are to resemble being a resemblance of God, to be patterned after him. We were created to see and reflect God's image. He empowered us to multiply his image and to fill and govern the earth with his nature. Another, another uh, uh, definition of the word image is actually a shade 
or a shadow. And that shows like really proximity of being close because, you know, I have, I have a shadow up here. And when he's moving, it's just like, it just shows like the, the symmetry of moving with God. Because no matter whenever, if I'm moving and I'm out and I got a real good shadow source, you see my shadow back there and it looked nice. It's just going. It's just moving. There's no, there's no delay in it. It just moves. As I'm moving, my shadow moves with me. God wants us to move with him. He wants us to flow with him. He wants us to be in that proximity with him after his image. But we know that something happened that really took that original picture and it distorted it or it, it covered over it. Paul talks about it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I believe it is, where he talks about a veil coming over. And a veil, when, when some, something is, is someone is veiled by something, they can't see it. Now, there, if you look up the word veil, it has different definitions. One of them is to like, you know, you know kind of you put it on almost like to hide, um, you know, to, to keep from being able to see. One of it is kind of like a decoration. Well, this wasn't a decoration. When we lost sight of God's original image for us and who he was, there was a veil that kept and separated. Can you imagine being Adam and Eve in the garden, being able to walk with God in the cool of the day, every single day. We have no idea how long that time period was before the fall came when they disobeyed God, but they walked with God. They got to behold his image. They got to see him, see his example, hear his voice, his, his audible voice right there every single day. Probably, I mean, just the, just the excitement. It was like a Sabbath every day. I mean, every day in the cool of the evening, here comes the Lord. And they probably couldn't wait, anticipate. I know I would. How about you? God, to come and to share and to delight in them. I mean, you know, Adam was given the duty of, of naming all the animals and, uh, you know, whether God put those things in his heart, I don't, I don't know. But he's just looking and he's like, hey. You're a cockroach, right? It's like, really? No, just kidding. <laughs> you know, everything that we see, God, you know, God is so, he's so good, it's so awesome. In the world that we, that we live in, even though it's a fallen world right now, there's still so much beauty in it. Look at the sunrise, the sunset, different places of the earth. You know, people, you know, the pictures, you look at magazines, different things are online, whatever, you see all these beautiful areas, so beautiful. What would it look like when it's glorified in its original state when God created it from the beginning? Even though there's beauty here. See, God always has something that points back to him and his true beauty. Amen? But here they are. There was that original picture that God created us. You and I were created in God's image. And then something happened in the garden because God didn't want robots. He wanted to be able to give people a free will to make a choice to be able to serve him. So he put one tree in the garden, you know. And if you don't know, I'll just continue a little bit. There was a tree in the garden called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the enemy came and began to really question Eve and then Adam. You know, are... Why, why can't you eat of that? Are you really not supposed to eat of that? I mean, just really trying to get them to think that God was hiding something from them. God does not hide things from us. Whenever he created man and woman, there was no veil. It was complete transparency, complete openness. 
Actually, I, I can't find it in the, in the, in the scripture, but my, my pastor really believes that, uh, um, and I, you know, it's not, not a case of salvation or not, but he just believes that in the garden that really the spirit was on the outside. Spirit on the outside, when they lost man, that because they became, you became more self, you know, self-centered than God-centered, and that broken, that disconnection in the spirit, but we were disconnected, we, we lost view, there was a veil that came upon us, can you understand how sad God was when he came into the garden, obviously he already knew, but he, he went to Adam and Eve and he said, where are you, where are you? I can't see you anymore. I can't see you. Now we know that obviously God could see, but he had lost something too. He had lost fellowship with his creation, whom he created in his image and empowered them to go out and procreate and to fill the earth with God's image and God's likeness. Amen? Then, so we see that we're created in God's image and the distorted view came because Adam and Eve had sinned. And then we see that God didn't take away their ability to procreate. They began to fill the earth, but it wasn't with God's image. Look at Genesis chapter five, verse number one through three. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day when God created man, he created him in his likeness. Here we are several chapters later. God's reminding us how he created us and, and, what, and, the, and, the, and the way that he created us. In the day when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and named them man in the day when they were created. Verse number three. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according or agreeing to his own image. And he named him Seth. Now, as you read on, you know, when it talks about the name Seth, the name Seth means fixed. And there is, there is a place in scripture where um, Actually, Eve says, I will name him Seth because, you know, in, in her view, he's saying, you know, God has fixed this situation saying, you know, Cain has killed Abel and God has given me another son to fix that remedy. But, you know, you can look at it this way, too, that here they are, they're in a fixed state where they can only procreate and bring forth those things that are in their own image from here on out unless someone steps in and does something. Because God, in the beginning, he created man and woman in his image, after his likeness, to resemble him, to flow with him, to be patterned after him. And now after the fall, all Adam can do is bring forth children in his own image, after his own likeness that is disconnected from God. This is why, you know, sometimes it's hard even for Christians to, to understand this and believe this, and it is, you know, by faith as well, because everything is by faith, but when, when Adam sinned, he brought sin into the whole world. 
into the whole world, every person. You, you know, when, when, when people sin, it's, 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 you know, they don't become sinners because they sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's the nature that we have. Adam and Eve had the ability to bring forth sons and daughters in the image of God. And then the fall came. Now they can do is bring forth sons and daughters in their own image that is now disconnected from God. But thank the Lord, God had a plan from the very beginning. Amen? He had a plan from the very beginning. So we see in Isaiah, actually Isaiah 59 talks about this separation. It says, the Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save. Someone say amen. The Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, nor is his ear dull that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. That separation is that veil. Our iniquities bring a veil that keep us from seeing who God has created us to be. And your sins have hidden his face from you. He sees all. You know, we also have a, another scripture that talks about here that, 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 you know, God can hear, but our, our iniquities really separate us from that. There's another scripture in, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 and 14 that says, hey, you know, if we ask anything according to his will, we know that his word is his will. If we ask anything according to the will of God, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we have whatever we ask. So it's taking us back to, to the Lord. But there's that veil, that word iniquity there is not just, you know, it's not just sin of itself. It's like uh, iniquity is just not like sin that we do, that we commit a sin. Iniquity is really that twisted stuff. It's our twisted nature that happened because of the fall. There's iniquity, there's rebellion. Rebellion is whenever, um, you know, we know exactly what God wants us to do and we say no and we rebel against him to do our own way. That's rebellion. Sin is just the things that we do, whether sins of omission or sins of commission. That means whether I do it on purpose or I sin and I, I don't even realize it at that moment, you know, that, that omission and commission. There's that, that sin is because of, because of our fallen nature, we sin, right? Are you with me? Are you following me? So this iniquity is because of, of the fall that happened in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned against God, when they believed that God was holding something from them, but he wasn't. He wasn't holding something from them. He was giving them an opportunity to be able to serve him or not. Every day we have an opportunity to serve God or not. Every single day we have an opportunity that's why when you come to the Lord, praise the Lord, we, we give our lives to Jesus. His spirit comes to live on the inside of us. We come alive. Old things pass away. All things become new, right? Hallelujah. But every single day, I still want to, it's not just I choose to serve God one day. I want to choose to serve him every single day. Because you get so close to his presence that you don't want to be away from his presence. And that really comes down to, boils down to what the Bible teaches would be the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is, I don't want to be away from you. That's whenever David had sinned against God, you know, and he, he committed that, that uh, sexual sin and really murder too because he, he had, he had uh, um, sex and really committed adultery with Bathsheba and he killed her, her, her husband Uriah. 
and he covered it all and he was deceived and even himself, he didn't even know. And then when the prophet came to him and speak to him about it and told him, he said, hey, there was this little lamb that, you know, someone came and, and the, the king, you know, and they should have did. He's like, hey, you should kill that person because that's not right what he did. And he said, king, that's you. And God revealed it to him right then. And David said, I have sinned against you and you alone. Even though I killed this man, even though I took this woman, I sinned against you. And guess what David's cry was? God, I've experienced you enough in my life, and even though I slipped up and I fell, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. That's the fear of the Lord. I, I don't want to be away from your presence. You know, and there's that difference. I'm, I feel like I'm on a rabbit trail a little bit, but I feel like I need to say this. There is a difference between loving the Lord and fearing the Lord. There are a lot of people out there today, Christians, that love the Lord that are walking in sin. That they're committing sin. Going against things that are contrary to the written word of God. Do they love the Lord? Yes, they do. Effect, with their affections, with their emotions, they love the Lord. The difference is they don't fear the Lord. Because the Bible says that the fear of the Lord causes us to turn away from evil. I don't want to just love the Lord with my emotions. I want to turn away from evil and those things that will keep me away from who he is, keep me away from really seeing him, keep me away from being a partaker of his holiness. And guess what the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 12? Without holiness, no one will be able to see God. It's that holiness, that separation. So don't just love him, fear him. And there's that dread, there's that dread of, of God because he's the judge, but that dread is not only just afraid of him, it's afraid of being away from him to the point where I'll be made a fool in front of these people in order to be right in his eyes. That's most important, amen? So we'll jump back on track now and getting here, talking about, you know, that original picture we were created in God's image. Then there came a distorted view because of sin. Iniquity has, has really separated us between ourselves and God, that our nature, that iniquity, it is guilt. It's, it's that perversity. It's that twistedness in our nature. The word actually signifies an offense. There's an offense intentional or not against God's law and that law was committed by Adam and because of what he did it passed on to us you know as we serve the Lord you know we can we can help out our generations there's things that my children will not have to go through now because of what I went through and, and things that I've overcome from the generations before me to where I am now, that they don't have to go the whole way back and, and just severing those lines within the generational curses or whatever it is that have been in the family lines and just having that new life in Christ. They're at a different place that they don't have to deal with certain things that we had to deal with growing up. Praise the Lord. And as I get closer to the Lord, 
I become an example in that shadow of what it's like to be with God, to walk with God, to commune with God. You know, even in the times before Jesus came, God showed that those who were hungry after him could actually supersede his plan, even though Christ wasn't coming for thousands of years later, there were those because of their hunger, we talked about that earlier, and going after to seek God, they superseded really, you know, at that time that wasn't meant for that generation, but still God blessed them with things that was for another generation for their generation. Noah was one of them. He found favor in the sight of the Lord. The Bible says that Noah walked with God. Abraham walked with with God. Enoch walked with God. He, he had such revelation of God that we hear about him in the book of Jude, the second book before the end of the Bible, where he's prophesying about the coming Messiah. He got some revelations. He saw things generations, thousands of generations down the road because he was hungry after God. And if you look at the genealogies, I think it was like um, Enoch was like Adam's seventh grandson. So he was like a great, 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 great grandson. And in the timeline, Adam would have still been alive and there would have been, a, I forget, like 65 to 100 years, something like that, that Enoch wouldn't have been able to have been around Adam to hear the stories of what it was like to live in the garden before the fall. And something stirred on the inside of him. This is what God wants to do today. He wants to stir something on the inside of you that regardless of any other Christian or what, the, what Christians, you know, the normal Christian is doing today, we want to be different. We want to seek after God. We don't want to just go with the status quo. We're not satisfied with just meeting on Sunday mornings. We're going to seek God every day of the week. And not just together, but in our own personal life. And not just as a show as we get together, but in my own, in your own personal life, seeking God, crying out to him. I want to see your image. I want to behold you, Lord. I want to see the original view that you have, that you saw in creation when you created man and, and woman in your image, after your likeness, before the veil. Right? Hallelujah. So God created us in his image, but sin keeps you from seeing and reflecting God's image. Sin keeps you from seeing and reflecting God's image. You know, Balaam um, was a prophet of the Lord, and we know he got tied up in some things. There were some issues in his own heart, greed that he, he was kind of serving the Lord for some gain. But still, there's prophecies that he had spoke that were, you know, they're, they're legit. God used him, spoke through him. And uh, this is one of the things that he said in Numbers 24, 17. He said, I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star or a light will rise from Jacob, and a scepter or a ruler will emerge from Israel. See, that was him back in those days, seeing here we are, we're in a place right now that God wants us to see, and we're blessed. Just like Jesus spoke to his disciples and said to them, he gathered his 12 around or whoever else was there, and he said, you're blessed to hear what you're hearing because generations before, kings, 
priests and prophets longed to hear what you're hearing, and they didn't, but you're hearing it. Generations before this time longed to see what you are beholding right now, but they didn't, but you're seeing it, and you're hearing it. You're blessed. We're part of a blessed generation, living in the grace of God to be able to do what he's called us to do but will not be able to walk in it if we do not see from his eyes. We as believers have got to stop looking through the distorted lenses and start looking through God's lenses, the way he saw it from the beginning. Anybody remember, I mean, I'm not the only one in here, but anybody remember the, you know, the 1990s, they had these pictures that are called the magic eye pictures. Anybody remember them? Neat and Pat used to have couple of those. Remember, they, it's just kind of like a collage of, almost looked like a mishmash of all, all different stuff. And, and you're like, okay. And, and they told you, well, if you look right, you'll be able to see a 3D image in there. How many, how many could, if you ever saw those, how many didn't ever got to see the 3D image? Anybody? Kelsey, we'll pray for you after, just kidding. <laughs> it, it, it can be kind of frustrating because I remember going to Anita and Pat's house and I think that they were living, this is when Austin, I don't know if he was just getting born or not, you guys are living in Lancaster in that little apartment above the place there. And they had it on the wall. They're like, yeah, they're talking about it. They're all excited about it. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, what'd you say is in here? I just couldn't see it. I don't see it. And the idea is like, you don't necessarily, you're not just looking at the picture. You're kind of like looking beyond it. Kind of like whenever I'm at the house and, or I'm in the car with my wife, you know, we're driving down the road and I see her looking somewhere, but she ain't, she's looking, she's not in the car. I don't know where she's at. You know, she sees something beyond what I see. I was like, where are you at? She's like, oh, I just, you know, you got to kind of see, see through or see past or just kind of, you're not looking at exactly what's right in front of you. And, and we mess up as believers that way. We look at just what's right in front of us instead of really the big picture. But it is really cool if you see that. You can get them online now, but you can like look at them, show the picture. But I remember seeing for the first time, and it was just kind of like, it was like a flicker because they had one was a spaceship and the other one was like the resurrection. It had like, it had like the gravestone, you know, it was rolled away and it had the cross up on the hill. And I remember the first time seeing that one with the cross. I'm just, I'm lo looking at it, seeing all these, the, the regular picture stuff. I'm like, okay, I think, wait a second. All of a sudden, just, oh, wait a second. Uh, wait, 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 I think I see a rock. Oh, oh, oh my God. And, and it's like, then you get sucked into it. You're like, whoa, that's totally awesome. And then you lose it. Like, wait a second, wait a second. And you're trying to get back into it. This is kind of like what our Christian walk is because we're learning to stay focused on what we really can't see with our natural eye, but what is meant to be seen with our spiritual eye, right? Instead of just looking at what we see with our natural eye, instead of just when a situation happens or a circumstance happens or something begins to come to you or rises up within you because there are only three storms in life. You see this in, in Matthew 24, there's only three storms. There's floodwaters that really rise within. There's those storms from within. There's, you know, the winds around us, those things that happen. We don't necessarily cause them, although, although we can, those things that kind of happen around us. Then there's things that are just beyond us, like the rain falling from heaven. We, there's nothing we can do about it, but except how we handle the situation. We can get upset. We can, we can you know, throw things. We can cuss, whatever. This morning I came in here. I left a little bit early. 
because we were in the office. I have to run to the, to, the, to the store to get some extra coffee supplies, and I decided to run to Starbucks this morning early. And they opened at 5.30. I'm like, sweet, I'm going to get me a coffee. And I pull in there. I come in. I'm open things up in the church. I laid down my coffee on the Connect Center back there. And I went to grab it. And it flipped over. And boom, boom, Everywhere. Starbucks. Gone. Well, there probably was what is a time I probably would have been upset. But I, all, I, all I could do is, well, Lord, okay, let me grab a quick towel because this is messy. Got to take care of it. So it's how we perceive things. And all these other things in life want to veil over and keep us from seeing who God really is and who he created us to be and to keep us out of his presence, to keep us out of that view. All these things come. And the battle is in staying focused on what the majority of others cannot see because they're looking at the outside and choosing to look on the inside of what God wants to show us. Amen? Look at Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verse number 1 and 2. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these last or final days, he has spoken to us through or by his son. The son radiates God's own glory. And expresses the very character of God. I mean, thank the Lord for his plan and his purpose. He brought forth Jesus. And when Jesus came on the scene, he was, he was the one who radiated God's glory. The glory of God is the nature of God. He, he, was the expre the express, he expressed the, the very character of God. One translation says he's the exact imprint of God's nature. That imprint the way that Jesus responded the way that he talked the way that he acted his demeanor everything about him reflected the father colossians says this god has rescued us from the kingdom or the domain of darkness there we were in that veil we were veiled right it was the kingdom of darkness we were veiled separated from seeing what god had originally designed and he transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, really a kingdom of light. He purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Thank you, Lord. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He's the visible image of the invisible God. This is why whenever he was telling his disciples that he was going back to the Father, that Philip said, Jesus, show us the Father and it will be good enough for us. He said, Philip, haven't I been with you long enough? When you see me, you see the Father. When you see me, you see the Father. This is why it's so important for us as believers and specifically if we're going after being the bride of Christ because he's coming back for a bride. Come on now. And that bride is going to be pure and spotless. What that means is she's working on, you know, working with him to get any of those blemishes off without blemish. We're not, it's not our own works or anything that we've done. We're looking for him and keeping on those clothes of righteousness, which is ours because of his shed blood. Amen. And keeping that lamp lit. Yeah, there's work to keep that lamp lit. So when he comes, we're ready. The Bible says in Revelations 20, 
21, 22, one of the last verses there, it says, um, and the spirit and the bride say come. Not only is the bride keeping herself ready for the approaching of, of the son of God coming back again, she speaks the same thing as the spirit of God is speaking. Amen. That's where we get off sometimes because we will speak what we see with our natural eye instead of speaking what we see in the word. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But here's what I want to get to, my final thought. Turning to Jesus changes your image or your nature. Because every time we look at him, the veil gets removed. This is why it's so important. This is why it's so important to come to church. This is why it's so important to get in God's word. This is why it's so important to spend time in his presence. I'm all for routine. I'm all, I have my time in the morning when I get into the word. I have my time when I pray. But you know what? Even though I have my time, I can still get into the routine of, of just kind of going through the motions. And you've got to check yourself to make sure you're staying connected. And sometimes you may have to do things just a little bit differently. Sometimes I'll pull in here and uh, instead of coming right into the office, I'll just sit in my car. Because I know if I come into the office, I'm going to get distracted with some things. Just regular, everyday stuff that you go. And sometimes, uh, you know, whenever I was a traveling minister, our kids were really young then. And uh, um, I couldn't do most of my stuff at home unless it was late at night whenever the kids were sleeping. Because they would just always be right there. So I would take my portable office, my car, and I would go to park in the Lowe's parking lot underneath a shade tree in Florida. And that was my mobile office. And I would do my studying right there and my calling and whatever, praying, everything just right there. I got comfortable being in that small little space with Jesus because I got to go places, crazy places in the spirit. Amen. But just taking that time. Sometimes you need to change things up. You're like, no, well, I'm going to do a little bit different today. Maybe I'm going to start with prayer. Maybe I'm going I'm to read a, a different place today. Just being sensitive to him. But it's about seeing his image. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says this. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. There's that veil that separated us from God. That veil, remember, we were created in God's image. That veil came because of sin. Now we couldn't see. There was a distorted view of who God is. and There was a distorted view of who we are. Now in Christ, as I look at Christ, that veil is, is taken away. As I turn to him and I look to him, that veil is taken away. Verse 17 says this, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, his nature. One, one translation says this, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are trans, transformed into his image. Really, you can say it this way, as the more you behold him, the more you can become like him. The more you behold him, the more you can become like him. Jesus is our example in this. You've heard it in scripture. Jesus himself said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. And I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. So everything that Jesus said and everything that Jesus did was a reflection, the exact representation, the imprint of what God the Father was doing. Come on now. And here we are. We're his representatives in the earth. 
And we get off track sometimes because we're looking at the wrong things. If we just look at Jesus, just even ask him, Jesus, how would you handle this situation? I mean, they started that, what was that back, way back in the day? What would Jesus do, right? If you never read that book from Oswald, was it Oswald Sheldon or who was the name? Charles Sheldon. It's called uh, um, In His Steps. Great book. It's a classic. Just shows what would happen if you just spend time just, hey, Jesus, how would you handle this situation? What would you do? Allow God to speak to you so that we can see what he's doing because when we see what he's doing, we're empowered to do the things that he has done. Amen? Are you with me? So he says, and the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed from glory to glory into the same image, his glorious image. 